0: All right. This morning's scrip- scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 11 through chapter 7 verse 1. 2 Corinthians 6:11. We have spoken freely to you Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Do not be unequ- unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty." since we have these promises beloved let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit bringing holiness to completion in the fear of god amen
1: bring you up to speed before we go into the word this morning Let's bring you up to speed with a couple of things that are happening um, the men. Um, you should be here Saturday morning. Just you're tired? Me too. But be here. This is going to be a tremendous opportunity to um, continue to grow, not just once a year at a retreat, but to have a more regular time of being together as men. So I really want you to try to make this a priority this Saturday. You won't be sorry. Um, please continue to pray for Andrew Brunson, the EPC pastor who's jailed in Turkey, um, After a trial of a few hours, he's basically been thrown back into jail for uh, just upcoming months. He's being used as a political pawn. We have been praying for him. Please do continue to pray for this man. Um, It's just an ongoing battle. Our lands, we own, uh, well, we're hoping to own soon, six and a quarter acres of land just down Route 15. Uh, We are waiting to hear. A judge was supposed to have ruled on the title of the land Friday in communicating with our realtor. We had not, I have not heard, they have not heard from the situation. But if you would just pray. I was hoping to have news this morning, but we're just waiting. And uh, on that June, first Sunday of June, as we really celebrate what God's done here, we hope to be able to tell you a lot more about what's coming. So please plan to stay after. It's going to be, there's going to be a lot of information shared that morning. And I think uh, it will be uh, really something to get excited about. So um, Mother's Day, and also if they didn't say, there is no Sunday school today because of Mother's Day. So we'll... um, celebrate moms i don't usually preach about mothers not that they're not worthy of being preached about but i usually just go through the bible and unless it talks about mo- didn't just just didn't talk about mom that day so anyway so um sorry mom you're not getting a sermon but we love you anyway all right if you got your bible open to first corinthians i mean second corinthians chapter six where we're going to be parked a bit today Um, I have a file on my computer. One of the files I keep readily is letters to save or notes to save, and then I still keep a file drawer. I'm old school, so I have a file drawer. And in there, there's a manila folder, and it's another. It's it's letters to save. And these things go back, uh, gosh, 30, 40 years. These are letters that people have written me that... Maybe they express appreciation, maybe they were challenging letters, maybe they were they were significant notes, and they 're usually packed with meaning to me, um, emotion. I have letters from my mom, speaking of mother 's day, and my mom is uh, is with the Lord, and I have numerous letters from her. Maybe you all have this too, and in my file from many of you, I have letters, notes you 've written me, just you know okay, I just wanted to encourage you, you know, in spite of that sermon last week i 'm still going to come to the church. It's an encouraging, encouraging word. I uh, I keep these things to remind me, right, when the times when I'm feeling really distressed, of the goodness of God. As we read a book like Second Corinthians, please don't forget that this is a letter. Written to a group of people expressing the heart and emotion of a man for people that he loved. When we just say see this as a a sort of a, a doctrinal statement, you know, if we just look at it as information sharing, it's it's as much as if your your spouse or your girlfriend or somebody you care about writes you a letter and says how much they miss you and love you, and then makes a comment, and you sort of break it down, you know, grammatically, right? Oh, I'm sorry, you know, she put her preposition in the wrong place. Well, maybe, but really, did you miss the love letter, right? Did you miss that? It, it's, it's sometimes we read it in a way that, uh, that maybe doesn't do it justice. When we started what Tori read this morning, we started in verse 11. says, we've spoken freely to you, The literal Greek is our mouth is wide open to you, Corinthians. Our heart is also wide open. In return, he says in verse 13, I speak to you as my children. Open up your hearts to me too. So as we read and as we look at that, we need to bear in mind this because Paul says, and I want you to go back up the uh, verses prior to what Tori read this morning. Paul goes through a litany of what he has endured. And starting in verse 4, just listen to this. As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. By great endurance and afflictions and hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit and genuine love, by true speech, by the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. He goes on and on and he says, I've endured all this because I love you. Not because you're paying me, not because I have to, but because I love you. And so he is able, I think, to speak difficult words to the Corinthians because he says, look, I'm I'm wanting you to know all this is because I love you. Here's the word that he speaks to them. Maybe a difficult word. Verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What portion, that's a just a... a Hebrew Greek word that comes from the Hebrew that's uh means worthless and it's a a word they use for Satan what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever what agreement has the temple of God with idols when you hear that word when you hear that word uh don't be yoked together with unbelievers typically this is done in the context of dating relationships or marriage right that's what it is That's not the context of this. It's an application for it. We'll talk about that in a minute. But that's not the context of this. And we would do well to not limit it to that. Because ultimately what this is going to is the holiness of God. The holiness of God. Don't be unequally yoked. What was happening in the church was this people had come after Paul had left and left the gospel and started this church and people had come into the church and begun to undermine him and begun to say, look, this Paul, he's just too troubled. Yeah, He's a troubled guy. He's got so many uh, uh, problems. His, his plans change all the time. He's always under it. He never has enough money. So He doesn't have the kind of of pizzazz that really, I mean, look at us. We have these visions. We see the gifts of the Spirit come out of us. Guys, you need to sort of put your allegiance over here. But Paul says, man, these people are leading you astray. He's writing now from a distance, and he's trying to say, look, come out from there. We know that he is thrilled that the Corinthian church has repented. Most of them have turned back to Paul and said, okay, we get it, Paul. We've been duped. And then Paul calls these people out who've been leading these sheep astray. And he says, look, I care for you. I'm doing all these things. I'm putting myself in these kind of positions because I love you. I'm enduring all this stuff. They don't. They're not even believers in Christ. though They have on the external all these things. Don't be yoked together with them. Now, all right, the yoke together thing. How many of y'all have been yoking your animals lately, right? We don't typically we don't live, most of us don't live agrarian. I know a few of you people live, you know, have some nice land, but typically even your dogs aren't yoked together, right? So, all right, so let's let's just remember the yoking thing going on here, all right? And this goes back to, this is, is a representative uh, picture of Deuteronomy 22.10, which, again, when, when people pick verses out of the Bible and don't see it as an overarching story, but just pick a verse here or there. They always go, oh, the Bible doesn't make any sense. Well, if you look at it as a linear thing, but it's a story and it all points to something. So when we look at uh, Deuteronomy twenty-two ten, here's the verse. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Now you're like, all right, so that's pretty random, right? What, so what, can I do like a camel and a donkey? Is it like, I mean, why? What, what is this? And then all around this verse are other things. You shall not, um, let's see, you shall not wear cloth of wool and linen mixed together. Well, I don't know, I haven't checked my tag lately. Like, am I in disobedience? I think there's polyester. Does that, does that nullify the word? What is going on here? We read verses like this, and if you take it out of what is the overarching story, because this is clearly what Paul is sort of referencing back to, don't be unequally yoked, right? So why would, what's the problem here with plowing a field like this? Well, I mean, I don't know this particular ox and this particular donkey, but generally speaking, they're not compatible, right? They're probably going to chafe on the neck a little bit, right? Donkey may want to, you know, a little stubborn. They, they you know typically they have a reputation. Walk at different paces, different agendas. I don't know. But he says, look, this is just a bad, bad idea. Was this just a practical, like like sort of book of wisdom, farmers, almanac that kind of stuff? What is this? No. The Old Testament is is, is basically has one narrative. God is holy. God is holy. That's where this comes from. God is holy. Why? Because you can't mix God things, he says, with non-God things. Israel, you are called to be a people separate to me. You can't just take a little bit, let's take a little bit of Canaan. Hey, the Canaanites had this really good idea. Why can't we just sort of assimilate a little bit of the Canaanite idea, you know? Oh, we'll just, you know, pick a little Amorite those are the tribes around them. Pick a little bit of this. Pick a little bit of that. We'll put it together. Look, look, God, you're you're mainly good, right? You mainly have it all together. But, we, you know, we've, we've looked around, and God says, no, I am holy. Come out from among them. I'm showing you the way to do this. The whole picture of this is that points to the fact that what we do matters in terms of how we relate to this holy god and so paul picks up on this and he says don't be unequally yoked back to second corinthians chapter 6 it says don't be unequally yoked application here be aware that your human relationships matter and will impact your spiritual life. And you are fooling yourself if you think they won't. Now, Paul makes a very clear distinction in 1 Corinthians 5, because was still dealing another letter to this Corinthian church. He had made this same point. And in 1 Corinthians 5, he says this, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. He says, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out from the world. But I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. So he's talking specifically about those who say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but I kind of do what I want to. And he says, You've got to distinguish. You have to differentiate. Don't be unequally yoked. So let me give you three ways that I think we can be unequally yoked with non-believers. First is in our identity. We live in an idea, identity politics is one of these big things. People cluster in tribes and in groups now. And we all know the tribe and group can span a wide range of things. Your heart, your primary allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ who has bought you with his blood. And essentially, he says, that's your tribe. Now, we, that doesn't mean that's not the only thing we associate with. But if you derive your identity from things outside of the kingdom of God, be cautious that you are not yoking yourself where it's going to chafe and people will be pulling in other directions. I could give you a hundred examples of this, of associations I belong to, of memberships of things who began to do things that I was uncomfortable with as a Christian. And I had to make a decision. Was my identity within that group or did I have to say, no, I can't do that? Because it's already, even in a minor way, beginning to pull against my faith. See, he says in the Old Testament, don't mix these two Uh, fabrics together because where they're joined is going to be pulled apart. It says weave it out of whole cloth. In our life, when you are bought, your life needs to be woven first and foremost out of him. Second, influence. So identity and influence. Who influences you? Who do you listen to? And this is so crucial at every age, but I know when I was young, who I hung with and who I made my friends and who I was bri- prior, maybe up till 25 or 30, I, were, I, I was really influenced by them. And I can tell you, I can point a pretty strong line between the, when I was uh, involved in groups that were um, not leading me to the Lord. It's pretty simple. It's not, you don't have to be a you know, rocket science or theologian, but you no know, bad company corrupts good morals scripture teaches. And so if people have influence over you, this isn't just your spouse thinking about who you would marry. This is people who you let have influence over your life at your decision making point. Who are you listening to? Are you yoking yourself? Are you putting yourself in a position to be influenced by and pulled by people who aren't Christians who don't have Jesus at the center of their life? And third, and this is kind of a separate issue, but um, in case you didn't know, not everyone who says they're a Christian is. Surprise, right? Please, I know we're not that gullible, but please, please, we, I, I can't tell you how many times, and I will go back to the marriage thing just for a minute, I can't tell you how many times have sat down with a young couple and, and uh, you know some will say oh we're going to get married and we'll talk about so where's your faith and um, you know it's clear that one of the people has faith and one doesn't and the one who doesn't uh, the one who does have faith will almost always tell oh they're so respectful of my faith. I know they're coming I know they're on the way I, I you know I said great I'm glad they're on the way don't be yoked together It's not the point of the message, but it's one of the ideas because there is nothing like yoking yourself together in business partnerships or relational partnerships. And if you are pulling in opposite directions, you are not going. It's not going to end well because either you'll be frustrated that they're not on the same page with you spiritually or they'll be frustrated that you want to do all this God stuff and they don't and there'll be frustration. And you can I mean. Praise the Lord, he redeems some of these things. And we have seen God redeem situations where maybe one person comes to Christ after they're married or in a partnership of some sort with somebody, and then God redeems the other one. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but wisdom would dictate that if you're not in such a relationship, don't start. Don't start. It's not wise. It's not looking. Because God is holy, and he wants all of you. And he can't have all of you if you're yoked with someone who he doesn't have all of them. Let me just say this. Jesus didn't leave us. If you're yoked with someone who isn't a believer, take heart. Take heart. God is still in control. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28. He says this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I think of times I've maybe been yoked to people and it's heavy because I'm bearing a lot of the yoke. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus says, and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, I think Jesus looks at situations. He understands that we get yoked sometimes. And and sometimes, you know, we'll get yoked with people that we're in, or maybe our, our parents or, or siblings or others who we're, we are close to. And somehow we're, we are yoked with them. And I think Jesus invites in some incredible, mysterious way that he enters that yoke with us. And rather than it chafing us, that he sometimes can bear a burden with us. And then... He redeems, and I, I don't know how or where, but Jesus is able to make all things new. Keep reading with me in Second Corinthians as we finish here this morning, because, again, this theme of God is holy, and he has called you and me to the same holiness. And we sometimes think holiness is perfection, and it's not. It's not always doing the right thing. It's being separate. It's being different. And he says, uh, pick up in verse 14 where we've started. Don't be un- Well, No, I'll actually pick up with verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them. I'll walk among them. I'll be their God. They shall be my people. See the holiness? Therefore, go out from their midst. That is the the people who don't acknowledge God. Be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. Then I welcome you. I'll be a father to you. You shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. God takes this seriously because he knows it's for your good. He knows it's for my good that we walk in that holiness, in that separateness. It's new covenant language because Israel's never referred to as the temple. Never. In the Old Testament, it doesn't say... Israel, you are the temple of the Lord. It says calls calls Israel the vineyard of the Lord. There's other metaphors, but not the temple. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was not living inside of individual Israelites in the Old Testament. That happened once Jesus Christ came and broke the barrier down. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and now lives inside. But Jesus does refer to himself as the temple. Early on in the Gospel of John which we always sort of pass this over. It's sort of a weird thing that Jesus cleanses the temple. We think of this as like right around the crucifixion. But in John, it's recorded at uh, in the second chapter. And after he cleanses the temple and sends the money changers out... The the Jews said, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build the temple. You're going to raise this up in three days? But Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. Jesus, the true temple, now released the Holy Spirit to live in you as temples of the Holy Spirit. And so the question, just like the yoking, is this. Do you take your role as a believer in Christ seriously enough to take the harder road to be separate? We're in the world and not of it, right? We live, we're, we're going to have relationships with non-believers. I, have, I, I am perfectly comfortable with all sorts of Bizarre philosophies and behaviors of my unsaved friends. I, I have lots of them, and, and I and I, it, I I expect sinners to sin. It's what sinners do, right? But if believers embrace this and we get involved with that, we're saying we're muddying this up. So let me give you just a picture as we leave, because I don't know where your issues are, and I don't know. You know, we're going to be all over the board in this. But I want to call you, as I call myself, to holiness, to taking these words seriously. My wife made for us well, a couple days ago this amazing from scratch. This is my wife's from scratch cake. It's every ingredient, you know, nothing, no boxes in this, right? This is a, a, a like a cream, like Boston cream donuts, you know, with that filling that's inside, that vanilla filling, it's all in the center there, and this is sort of a, Was it ganache or something? Chocolate ganache. It's beautiful. It it was delicious. We had a piece. It's gorgeous. And I want you to think of this as a life wholly lived unto the Lord. And some of us are taking this, taking our life, taking our temple, and we're yoking it and we're adding to it sin we're looking at things on the TV or, or on the Internet. We're putting things in our body or we're talking in ways when we're not at church things or we're with people. We're doing things with our bodies. We're doing things with our mind. We're fantasizing. I, you know, I could go through a hundred litany. We're, we're saying, uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. But we're not repenting when we fall. We're justifying. What we're doing is we're taking, I took a little gift from my dog yesterday. No, it's not that. (laughs) I was brushing my dog yesterday. And this is a bit of Wesley, right? Do you feel that way when you're about to sin? Do you? Or do you just justify it? Or do you say, well, you know what? If I just add a little bit of this, it won't be that bad. And the the amazing thing is, we eat this. And we think somehow God shouldn't be offended that our holiness and the holiness of God, and we say, oh, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Jesus Christ died, so you don't have to eat this garbage and you don't have to take what the world offers. Be separate. I'm sorry, Nancy, and I can't even lick my fingers. That's the true sin. Since we have these promises, beloved, chapter 7, verse 1, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. It's not that if you've mixed in the dog hair with the cake of your life, there's no answer for it. There is. Jesus Christ went to the cross so that you could say, Lord God, would you please make this cake like new again? Would you make me new? Would you make me pure? And make me fear sin and honor you enough. Fear God so I hate sin. Would you do that? And if you can... if we can take seriously that, not yoke ourselves together, we can experience the presence of God in the fear of holiness. Could you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you set these words in the ark and narrative of the story of your love for your people, that you are a holy God, that you are good and that you desire for us, Lord, to be holy as you are holy, to be separate, to be cut out of one cloth, not the old cloth, Lord, but the new, because you have come to die for us, to bring us something new, a new way of life. And you spoke over and over again about the possibility of abundant life. Lord, for those of us who dabble in the world, who think we can have one foot there, one foot here, no big deal, Lord, would you just have us go ahead and just live live in the world and just not, but not try to do both. If you know right now that's something, I, I would just, I ask you to choose. If you're here listening to this and you know, man, you then choose. Jesus loves you either way, but he can't, abide he don't fool yourself into thinking that you can be holy and unholy in the same body it doesn't work that way and if you want to experience the abundant life jesus christ came to offer and know why you're alive would you turn to him would you say lord i'm ready to get rid of that stuff lord i want to live to you and not perfectly lord but in the imperfection knowing that you are my redeemer. I'm going to give you just a minute to get honest and real with the Lord before we close in worship.